Memphis wrestling, which can be argued is probably some of the most influential pro wrestling in all of pro wrestling. So Wayne, uh, so when we saw Tales from the Territories and the first episode, boom, right out of the gate was Memphis wrestling. And they had Dutch Mantel, Jerry, the King Lawler, uh, Jerry Jarrett, Jeff Jarrett, like right out of the gate. I was like, whoa, like they are just. And the mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart. Oh yes. And they had mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart too. So how accurate would you say, you know, you grew up watching Memphis wrestling, right? I did. So how accurate would you say that this was? I mean, it, the you know, the boys tend to, you know, I once caught a fish this big. But a lot of this was pretty accurate of saying, like, where the pro wrestling was real. Uh, it was. Uh, they, you know, way before there was extreme pro wrestling, they were doing that. Uh, strap matches, coal miner glove matches, uh, scaffold matches. You know, first to bleed matches. They they did it all, everything. Brawling in the stands, brawling in the in the, you know, in the concession area. It was, it, they they brawled everywhere. Their angles ranged in. I remember Jimmy, Valiant, jumping Jerry Lawler, when Lawler was doing a concert. He literally put out an album in the seventies, and he was doing a concert. And Valiant came out at the end, jumped him, and busted his guitar over his head. <laughs> yeah, that's unreal uh, because that Valiant, was even uh, at a wrestling show, right? That was a separate concert. That was event. a totally. Jerry Lawler was the king of Memphis, and not just in wrestling. Uh, Jerry Lawler actually retaliated. He jumped Jimmy Valiant at the airport and broke <laughs> his leg at the airport. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine some, trying to run an angle now at the airport where you're trying to break someone's leg? What the what oh the airport, airport well, security would swarm you? Well, the you know the problem uh, the, that they they alluded to on the show is they drew such a huge share over a seventy percent share. That's so unreal. seven in 10 households watched Saturday morning wrestling, and I remember. We owned a, a. We lived in a little town called Blyville, Arkansas, uh, about an hour, hour and a half, two hours out of uh, Memphis. I was little, so I don't know exactly how long. <laughs> anyway, the uh, we owned a restaurant, and people would come in, and all they would talk about was wrestling. <laughs> the day, the day, you know, we were on the tour stop, and when somebody would come in. Uh, the day of the show, they would start saying, oh, I hope Lawler throws this fire. Oh, I hope he throws fire tonight. And <laughs> sure enough, the fire would come out, and he'd throw a flash, uh, uh, you know, fire right in someone's face. And that's all that night and into Saturday morning they would be talking. And, of course, the restaurant cleared out when wrestling came on TV. They They're right not kidding. Businesses shut down. What was it Jimmy Hart said? uh, uh uh, farmers got off their tractors, <laughs> yeah. which is a famous line that comes from uh, Mr. Jeff Gretler. <laughs> yes, sorry. Uh, I owe an apology to the FCC circa 1994 yes. East Texas. <laughs> yes. Jeff was sitting in the radio booth, and he went off, and he said, get down off your John Deere tractor and scrape the pig shit off your boot. <laughs> and the, the, the guy that was on, on duty come running down the hall, he can't say that. Stop him. Stop him. And, of course, Jeff had locked the door, and he couldn't get in. 
<laughs> I was like, this is good, right? This is good stuff. <laughs> Trying to get tickets, man. <laughs> you, shot, you did a Shawshank Redemption on it. <laughs> yeah, did the old sitting back like Andy. Yeah. Jeff just enjoyed what he just said. <laughs> <laughs> and to make matters worse, this was in deep East Texas. Yeah. But, you know, Texas's Bible Belt. And the, the club that we were running that afternoon the owner looked at the promoter and he had a bad stutter and he goes, did he say what I think he said? <laughs> and, and Rusty just put his head down like, Oh my God. Yes. And he goes, well, they're going to find me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the nineties. It was such a lawless time, <laughs> but it was good stuff. But, but, you know, like you said, a lot of, you know, especially that, uh, you know, East Texas had a little bit of that too. Uh, what Memphis had is it was it was somewhat of a shoot, right? Like even though Kfa was already out of the bag, they they still were into it and shoot, but not as much as it was in the seventies. I mean, Lawler's story about that fan waiting for him outside with that brick, and he got that brand new car, and he's like, "If you throw that brick, I'm gonna run you over." And the guy still threw it anyway. And I guess the car not. Going in there basically stopped Lawler from hitting this guy with a car, which ironically, they ran that angle with Eddie Gilbert, who went too fast and hit Lawler with a car. And the same thing basically happened because that you that was not worked. He he hit him with the car. Yes, he did. And that yes, was Yes, he did. That freaked out all of Memphis. The whole territory, because they covered Arkansas, uh Mississippi, uh Kentucky. That that the whole territory lit up, and and people were actually were calling in and calling the police and wanted Gilbert arrested for attempted murder. Oh man, yeah, and that was a bad hit. R.I.P. to Eddie Gilbert. You know, Mario, I don't know if you know this. My first match was against Wayne. My second match was against Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert. You did tell me about that. Yeah, yeah. who beat me down with a cane. So when he, I'm going to work, this legend. You know, and if he would have, if he wouldn't have passed away earlier, I think he would have been a big part of the business. But that was one of the main things that I thought of because we grew up on WWF. We didn't get a lot of this stuff, but there would be a pro wrestling illustrated show or something in the magazines with Joe Pettisino or Bill Apter. And I remember it's like, this is the guy that ran over Jerry the King Lawler with the car because that hit was bad. And then Lawler almost had to reenact that in real life with the guy who threw the brick. Uh, Wayne, what about, do you, like, a lot of these stories, I don't know if you remembered uh, watching him on the air, what about the story of that guy who had the blow dart and hit the blow dart in Jimmy Jimmy Hart's ass? That was funny. I laughed when I saw that, and then then I got to thinking, holy cow, man, how dangerous is that? (laughs) Could have been anything on that dart. You can put anything on a dart for sure. You know my germaphobic ass. If someone had shot me, I'd have been down at the the uh, emergency room screaming, "I have AIDS! I have Hep C! I have!" I, I would have been freaked out about that, you know. Yeah, and dude, he's so. How does that idea even get in someone's head that I'm going to shoot a blow dart at a wrestler? You know, it's like, oh, I'm going to hit him. He's such a jerk. But it's like, no, I'm, I'm going to order a blow dart gun off of the back of a comic. That was that one was homemade, and that was uh, uh, that's hillbilly country up there. It's not a, a stereotype, and that's uh, how they take down squirrels with blow darts. 
Sure. Shoot Those a blow. Are, absolutely. They shoot blow darts at squirrels? <laughs> you better believe. You better believe there's there's some crazy stuff goes up in those Ozarks and wow. around Tennessee. You'd have to be pretty. If squirrels are fast. Yeah, I don't think you can catch them with a blow dart. <laughs> well, he, I, he, he got they stop sooner or later. <laughs> oh my goodness! I if Jimmy, if I was Jimmy Hart, I would have freaked out. And of course, the the funny thing to me is he was worried about his pay. Like, oh, I don't, I don't want to go have to pay for a tetanus shot. <laughs> I'm like, that's what you're worried about? Your pay? <laughs> and I love the idea of they basically had the cops and the building security that had pro wrestling justice back then. Well, if, you, if you started a fight, kind of like if you were do work cheating a casino, they brought you to the back and let the wrestlers work you over. And that story of Jimmy Hart's like, so they brought him back. He's like, we caught him. Do you want to? Do you want to lump him up a little? He's like, no, I'm okay. Because <laughs> he's like, this guy's way bigger than me. I'm not going to be able to do anything to him. But they would literally bring uh, these people back and let the wrestlers take shots at him. That's, oh yeah, that's lawless. That's crazy. I I heard a few veterans. I heard a few veterans tell stories about that, where the cops would would take them to the back. And but that's a good deterrent. I saw a match right there in my hometown there. You know, uh, Blabel, Arkansas. I watched a match. It was uh, uh, Eddie Gilbert and Tommy Gilbert versus Kurt Hennig and Larry the Axe Hennig, father and son tag teams taking each other uh, on. And a guy got upset and uh, jumped up on the ring apron. And Eddie Gilbert flew over there and hit him, and blood went everywhere. The guy flew off the the ring apron and landed on the first row of chairs. And the cops come and took him out. And I, I was a little kid, and I was thinking to myself, oh, my God, he got so mad. He just – he don't even get to see the main event. <laughs> but the cops thought he had he got enough, I guess, because as soon as that match was over, they let him go back to his seat. So, <laughs> Can you imagine in 2022 at an AEW show that somebody, like, taps – like, takes a swing at a wrestler, and they pull him out of the crowd – Bring them to the back, let the wrestlers lump them up, and then they send them back to their seat. And that would, <laughs> obviously, that would. That would be a huge scandal. That It'd would be, be a, a huge scandal. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, the whole world is freaking out over a couple little pushing matches between the wrestlers in the back now. So Right, yeah, that was big. You know, that probably was, a, was more of a pushing match than anything. We know that it's going to be tough to get any shots in before you take it to the ground. There was, like, no hits. And that was even more tame than the generation before with the story of Jerry Jarrett. And you had that one promoter's like, oh, this guy's trying to take my job. Tries to go into business for himself, runs in the ring. And Jerry Jarrett's like, this guy may kill me. I got to take him out. And he ripped his eyeball out. <laughs> yes. Like, what? Can you imagine right now? It's like, yeah, I'm, when I'm, I saw that part, I was like, he really ripped his eyeball out? That was like, he really did. Figure of speech. No. Well, we've no, always heard the story of not. like Haku, you know, getting in the barroom brawls and they go for your eyes, right? That's what the old school wrestlers yes. like. We're gonna we're not looking to best you in a, just like a machismo contest. We're looking to com- basically incapacitate you so where no one gets hurt. Can you imagine well, if Tony? You also, Con- to remember, <laughs> you also have to remember Mario in those days the the time that the period that you're talking about. If a wrestler lost a barroom brawl, 
I don't care who he was. I don't care if he's the, the champion of the territory. I don't care. He's done. Like, he is blacklisted and out. Yeah. So if you put 10 years into the business and finally got to the main event and you're finally getting main event pay, it's over. And so you can't lose a barroom fight. You just can't. Don't yeah. care how big the guy is. There's no excuses. You had to win. So if you had to go for his eyes, you had to go for his throat. It didn't matter. Yeah. And, and actually, I don't know if, if uh, our trainer, Tugboat Taylor, told you, but Tug put his thumbs in the corner of my eye, and he said, right here, if you put a little pressure right here, go in, you feel the, the cord, pull out. <laughs> so oh, our own yeah. trainer taught me. Yeah, he taught he taught me the ear. To this day, I still taught when I'm doing uh when I'm training people in kickboxing. I I explain to them the the tug story of just like how e no, I think this was Sputnik. How easy it is to remove somebody's ear. Like there's just like oh that's I, I, that's just a little I did bit not of hear that one. It was like that's just a little bit of cartilage. If you grab that, it'll come right off. <laughs> <laughs> So when I'm teaching combos, I'm like, you just grab that ear. Like if it's combos are nice for exercise, but if this is the self defense, like as you're hitting them, grab an ear, yeah, <laughs> and just pull, just reservoir dog that yeah. ear. <laughs> but so Wayne, I was going to ask you what I was really curious about. So there was a second episode, right? And we it got into Andy Kaufman, who oh, I haven't seen the second episode. It's out. Yeah, it is out, and it's all about Andy Kaufman, which. It, we talked about this. We we've done a whole podcast and show about Andy Kaufman. I'm from Hollywood. He just got it, and you know he got it, and he went to probably the best place he could go because WWE wasn't you know F at the time wasn't interested to have somebody who loved working people. He loved living the gimmick. Uh, is there any stories yeah. Wayne that you can talk about? Like do you remember specifically for with Andy Kaufman? Yes, actually, that was a very interesting episode. There were, there's some little details in there that I didn't know about, how they handled him, how, how hard it was to deal with him at times. Although he had extreme love and respect for the business, his kind of mania and staying in character got out of hand with him a little bit. In fact, Jimmy Hart had to kind of be his handler slash uh, babysitter. And... Uh, it, it was an excellent episode, and one thing that just stuck out to, to stuck out to me is how much respect everyone involved that was there had for for Andy Kaufman, how much he loved the business, and they covered what you're talking about that he that he approached uh, WWE and Vince McMahon Sr. turned him back and said that he wasn't sure he wanted to have a Hollywood actor around the wrestling threatening the 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 cafe status of the wwe but of course the the memphis territory was a little bit more wild a little bit more crazy and so they took him right in and the rest is history it was one of the best angles ever executed in wrestling and a lot of that is the dedication of andy kaufman he he sold it unbelievable he he uh he took that pile driver and he demanded an ambulance come. He paid <laughs> to that stay story. in a hospital for three straight days, and he was working. He was working the doctors and nurses. It, it was was amazing. I love uh, people, that idea of the referee going back and forth, and he's like going to Jerry Lawrence like, and he says he wants an ambulance. Tell him no, it's too expensive, and then go back and 
And he said, he said he'll pay for it. Okay, let's get an ambulance. <laughs> that, that is wrestling in a nutshell right there. Because in those days, the money was everything. Yeah. That's, that's why you hear when you see those old shoot videos, the legends always talk about doing business. Yeah. You got, you got to do business. You got to sell it. You got to do business. Smart business. And, you know, and something real quick that I want to throw in before we move too fast. That You said earlier about uh, them talking about wrestling and Memphis being real. It looked real. They, they were working everything, and everybody worked very light in Memphis, except, of course, some of the, the extreme chair shots and stuff like that. Although wrestlers in Memphis put their hands up, none of this stuff that they have today where you don't have any guts if you put your hands up. It still looked devastating, and the fans still bought it. And one of the best quotes that I've ever heard about then versus now Jerry Lawler said, not in the show, I, I saw him in a separate interview, but he said, it's ironic that in the old days, we barely touched each other, and everybody thought it was real. Nowadays, they knock the living hell out of each other, and everybody thinks it's fake. Yeah. Man, here, here. That was, I, lo- I love that quote. Coming from a wrestling legend who knew how to work and got... S- Elbows that were so stiff that basically jarred his heart out of rhythm and caused a heart attack live. Meanwhile, this is coming from the guy like that had a match with, you know, I'm from Hollywood comedian, barely touched each other and had people clamoring from the rooftops. And Wayne, like there was hardly any contact in that original match. No, yes. Yes. Like they sold the suit. Although, although that, that suplex on the back of... Kaufman's head looked nasty to oh, me. Oh, it did, man. It really did. That was like three moves, right? He gave him a soup, uh, the belly to back, uh, a, a vertical suplex, and a pile driver, right? That was it. Three why moves. was it so nasty? Did, did Andy driver. know how to take that bump, or why did it look so bad? I think he was just so uh, light. Well, he ragged on him, right? Yeah, he kind of fell backwards instead of dropping him straight down, and Andy didn't know how to really tuck his chin and kick and and keep his momentum where it would land on his shoulders and back. Unreal. And and but people but, it were people were frothing an angle that took for years they made money off that angle. And it leaked into oh. the mainstream, right? They're like, oh we gotta get you know, get him off SNL. He's just too into this wrestling stuff where now, you know, there's a somebody wrote a great article is like, just admit it, you're a fan of pro wrestling. Because we see the influences all over all over sports. Oh, What's wild is yeah, that if you I, watch I that uh, of, if you watch that I'm from Hollywood documentary where they talk about that whole Memphis wrestling thing, um, like they they interview like other celebrities at the beginning of the documentary, and it's like Tony Danza and Robin <laughs> Williams, and they're like, yeah, Andy really had a problem. <laughs> yeah, he, like- he was wearing his wrestling gear under his regular clothes. <laughs> I think he needed help. And they do like this whole thing, like it's serious. You know what I mean? Like they had genuine concern for his mental health, and he was just—he was just wrestling. He was just living his gimmick. He was living the gimmick. Yeah, we know people who uh, wore their titles to strip clubs. You're living your gimmick. Why wouldn't you? If I had a title, I'd wear it under my clothes every day. <laughs> Oh, so Wayne, Wayne, I got to ask you, are there any, like, so I haven't seen the second episode, but are there any stories that you remember 
about Memphis wrestling that they didn't cover that kind of shows whether whether it was a shoot angle or if it was a worked angle. Is there any that like stuck to your head? Like we all had that moment. Like I remember the Piper's Pit and just like me and Gene explaining like how somebody could be so wretched, so horrible can turn into a pro wrestler like this. And I'm like, oh, cool. You can be a wrestler. Like, do you remember any of those stories in Memphis? Like, is there one that sticks out for you? Oh my goodness! I know there's tons. Uh, of course, I covered the one, the, the one at the airport. That was that was very cool. Um, man, my gosh! Well, one thing that that really stands out that was unique to me about Memphis and and other territories did this too, but the feud was usually between Jerry Lawler and whatever manager was on hand, Jimmy Hart, whoever, Jimmy Cornette, whoever. And so they would they would rotate heels through, and Jimmy Hart, as soon as as you know Lawler in the blow off match got rid of the the latest heel, he would get jumped right after he won by the new find. Jimmy Hart had searched the country and yeah. found you know this heel to come in, and it was just they got years. It was it was Lawler versus Jimmy Hart was rotating people representing Jimmy Hart and they got years out of that. Yeah. And it, it was amazing, you know, and Lawler would never get his hands on Jimmy Hart. He would get a, a punch in or maybe two and someone else would jump in. And, you know, and it was just the fans would show up week after week after week thinking this is the week Lawler's going to get his hands on Jimmy Hart. And it, and it didn't happen much like in mid South. There was a two-year angle between the Rock and Roll Express and the and the Midnight Express, and it never got boring. It was written so well, it never got boring. And today's wrestling, man, they don't have enough patience to get the 30-day cycle pay-per-views in on these angles sometimes. Yeah, and, yeah they and, don't let And it that marinate. was really, but some of the, the some of the stuff like there's an old story where um, the the fabulous ones. They, they, you know, they were kind of introduced by Jackie Fargo, and Fargo used to do this walking strut where he would, you know, swing his body. A lot of fans know the Fargo strut, the but Fargo. you can look it up enough. But anyway, the fabulous ones were endorsed by Jackie Fargo, so they got to do the the Fargo strut, and they were babies, and they ruled. They were, they were almost as big as Lawler, and you can't over overestimate how big Lawler was. Oh yeah! And one night on a house show, no TV camera or nothing, Coco Beware did the Fargo strut in his match. Now, the Heel Fargo Coco strut was Beware. Famous. A lot of wrestlers did it, but at that point in time, it was belonged to the fabulous ones. So they used to run split shows, and Lawler and the fabulous ones were going to Indianapolis, and Bill Dundee. And, you know, some, some more mid-card guys was headed to a, a little town in Mississippi. The fabulous ones no-showed the show in Indianapolis and drove down to the show in Mississippi. And Steve Kern come through the back door, and everybody's like, what are you doing here? And he went straight. He said, where's Coco? And they said, he's in the shower. He went straight back into the shower and sucker-punched. Coco beware over that, over that, uh, over Fargo strut on a house show. Unreal. And 
a naked, wet Coco Beware beat his ass, <laughs> wore him out. They had to pull Coco Beware off of him. And if people don't know, that guy was thick. He was literally the definition of a fire hydrant. Yo, Coco, and you didn't yeah. mess with Coco Beware. Yeah, it's funny. Everyone remembers him as just like the Birdman and Birdman. Frankie and how happy and go lucky he was. But I remember seeing him in person, and yeah, he was thicker than a snicker. Like he had this neck that, like, he had. No, it was just like so much neck, like you couldn't imagine. <laughs> and to now imagine that he basically had. Uh, the history of violent shower fight with Steve Kern, Skinner, fabulous. That's unreal to think about. <laughs> yeah. Just... Another little funny story. This isn't this isn't as bombastic, but I always thought this was hilarious. Um, Austin Idol, when he came into town, and all the boys got excited when Austin Idol showed up because their pays payoffs were going to go up across the territory that man just could draw and but he was notorious for he wanted it super light he did not want to feel nothing he did he didn't want to be touched so he liked working lawler because it wasn't gonna he wasn't gonna feel anything it was a night off but and he 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 didn't stay he he had was done well with his money so he kind of would come in and out in and out he he, he wasn't really a full-time wrestler. So he came in, and him and Lawler were both babies, and they were working up to a, a, a tag match, and Lawler booked himself against Jesse the Body Ventura. Oh, man. Who you couldn't feel a thing. Ventura worked super light, and he put Austin Idol with Stan Hansen. Oh, God. And Idol threw a fit, and uh, he he went to Stan Hansen. He said, "Man, you know, let's just take it easy. No big deal." They get in the ring. Stan Hansen starts beating the crap out of it. Yeah. So uh, Idol starts uh, saying something in the ring, and's like, "Hey, man, lighten up." And he goes, "Yeah, no problem." Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is Stan the Man Hansen, Stan the Larry and Hansen, who who took out Big Van Vader's eye with a shot. That's how stiff he was. Like, not yes. like, he didn't do the pluck. It was a punch that actually knocked yes. his eyeball out with a punch. That's stiff. <laughs> That's stiff. But, but yeah. And that, that, that to me was wrestling in a nutshell right there. <laughs> That's funny. That story, putting, uh, pulling a rib on Austin Idol, the guy that, I'll come back, guys, if you give me somebody light. And they suckered him in with Stan Hansen. <laughs> that was just, a, yeah, you're asking it. So JJ, uh, you know, he watched a lot of her. Uh, Wayne, her, he watched a lot of our stuff that were wrestling in the Valley. <laughs> and we talked about that story. I was just a rookie. I had no idea. I was like, oh, man, I got a stomach ache. Don't work my stomach. I don't want an accident to happen in the middle of the ring. Oh, sure, no problem. And of course, you just might as well put a target on you at that point. Don't. So whatever you want, don't say it. <laughs> Mario, we're, we're in this building, and the heels are, sep- are dressing separate from the babies. Yeah. And they're, they're, you know, the crowd, you know, the, at that time, the crowd was buying into everything. Kayfay was alive. And the only way we had to communicate between the two locker rooms was a walkie-talkie. So I'm sitting there, and one of the refs comes and says, hey, man, Jeff wants to talk to you. And 
I go over there and I pick up the walkie-talkie and he says, hey, man, I'm sick at my stomach. I'm really having problems. I don't want to shit all over myself. Please tell Buddy to lay off. And I said, you know, if I go over there and tell him, he's going to, he's going to, it's going to be brutal. I don't think you should point that out. <laughs> and he says, no, man, Buddy's cool. Just tell him, just talk to him. I mean, I'm, I'm being serious, Wayne. I'm really sick. <laughs> and I said, okay, but I don't know if this is a good idea. And I went up to Buddy and I said, hey, Buddy, Jeff just sent a message over and asked me to tell you that he's really sick. He really needs you to lay off his gut. And, and he goes, oh, no problem, Wayne. I, man, I've been there. Don't worry about it. So the match starts. They tie up. Buddy backs him into a corner. Wham, 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 right in the gut with punches. Then he starts kicking him in the gut. He pulls him out and gives him a suplex. Opening move. And this was, uh, I was working as Jason the 13th, so I couldn't sell like I really wanted to sell how much bubble guts I had going on. <laughs> this is when Wayne had the freaked out moment when, Mike, what's up, brother? Glad you made it in there. We gave this shit. Mike! <laughs> but, Mara, this was the story where Wayne, remember, you're like, hey, you're gonna, you leaned over the stall, and I had the hockey mask up on my head. So it basically looked like Jason Voorhees was looking up at you sitting on the toilet. Like, hey, you're going to be okay in there. Yeah. <laughs> but the best part... Mario, there was no bathrooms for the wrestlers. Yeah. So Jeff is in the the public bathroom, <laughs> and this older Hispanic guy opened the door. <laughs> Jeff had forgot to latch the door. And so here's Jason sitting on the toilet with with his mask on, and he looks up and goes, "Hey, how's it going?" <laughs> and everyone really did believe that Jason was a demon. And the guy starts saying, Adios, Diablo, Diablo, and runs out of the bathroom. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a movie right there. Yeah, to me, that's, was to me a, that's a film. <laughs> K-Fay was alive and well. Y'all even. should write a movie together about wrestling in the Valley. I'll direct it <laughs> for free. We did. We wrote K-Fay the series, and we actually had a lot of those stories. Well, you know, I was telling you the other day that, because we were talking about... Uh, Tales of the Territories. If someone did a movie about Memphis wrestling in the 70s, 80s, that would be so awesome. Oh, man, it would be. A film, though, not like a documentary, just like a, a straight up, a film. straight up, like sort of fictionalized version of it where they incorporate a lot of these stories and events. Like that one where they're talking on Tales of the Territories about uh, Waffle House and Macho Man getting in a fight at Waffle oh, House. Oh, I know? love that story. <laughs> Why yeah. is so much? Stuff Can you just imagine you would you just have a have a Waffle House fight in a movie? Would that'd be so great? <laughs> Y'all should write that. It was so great that it was just like out of nowhere too. Of just like you deciding like you were taking too long with his foods. Like who cares about your wedding, brother? <laughs> <laughs> and then they're freaking dueling with butter knives <laughs> in a Waffle House. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of stuff happened. You can just call the movie the Waffle House. We we, we have so many Waffle House stories. Are those pecan waffles? <laughs> your oh. your son is bleeding out. Yeah, but are those pecans in those waffles? 